It's the Horrorphoria Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorphoria Podcast. It is Friday, September 11th of 2020. Episode number 76. We're talking about Shocker from 1989. Broadcasting from our... I hope Andy doesn't refer to the hand gesture studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gilly. I, I can't help myself, though. It's Shocker, man. I... <laughs> See, you picked this, okay? I, I did pick this, yes. It's our it's our forgotten slasher treasure chest month. Uh, we did skip last week. A lot of stuff going on around work. So uh, we're, we're back into the habit. So we're going to give you three weeks of forgotten slasher treasure chest. Even though seeing this movie... On uh, I am or on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it was like twenty four percent. So not a lot of people love really? it. Really? Yeah, it's not that bad. I don't think so. Because actually, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> we'll get into uh, what we think of the movie. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Uh, we we're talking about some horror movie news. We've yeah. got quite a bit to talk about since we were off uh, last week. Yep. According to BloodyDisgusting.com, a company called Vixen has announced a licensing partnership with Paramount for both Pet Cemetery films. Merch is currently available and features clothing and items with the aesthetic of the movies. Uh, there's kind of a like cool black shirt with a cat skull on it and crossbones. Oh, nice. Um, there's some dresses and a Church the Cat bag backpack thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it looked kind of cool. Uh, Mezco is coming out with a Child's Play 2 inspired figure. You know that scene where Andy and Chucky fight at the Good Guys factory? Yeah. Chuck, Chucky gets his hand ripped off and mm-hmm. attaches a knife to it. Remember that Child's Play 2? I do. Mezco is creating a uh, knife hand Chucky figure. This is the latest in Mezco's talking line of MDS mega scale figures. You can pre order the figure for 98 bucks and it should arrive in spring of 2021. Sweet. Looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's, you know, he's... Uh, yeah, if, it, you're, if you're a collector, it'd be something you'd want, for uh, sure. And it, you know, since Chucky's doll, and it's a doll, it really looks like Chucky. Oh, it's so, not a figure? It's actually no, a doll? It's, it's actually like, yeah, it looked like Full a doll. Full size, so, nice. Yeah. Well, it's an MDS mega scale figure. I don't know what that means. I don't, uh, I'm not that much into toys, but... Uh, <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. a toy. Blue Underground releasing a 4K Blu-ray re- uh, restoration of William Lustig's 1980 movie Maniac, starring Frank Zito. Of course, special effects that were from uh, from that movie were from Tom Savini, mm-hmm. including his own still incredible exploding head. <laughs> uh, the restoration was done from a recently discovered 16 millimeter print of the film. Wow. And uh, features include commentary from Lustig and producer Andrew Garoni, as well as a separate track co- uh, with commentary from Savini. Uh, theatrical trailers, outtakes, interviews. Looks like uh, if you're into the physical media, a pretty good buy. Yeah, there you go. I liked Maniac, man. I thought that was a good movie. You know, like you watched it because I have never watched it all the way through and I've actually seen it twice since. Yeah. And the second time I got more enjoyment out of, I thought it was actually really kind of... I, it, was, it was like like kind of innovative. I, I would agree. And next week's film, um, Eyes of a Stranger, I feel the same way about um, as Maniac. I think oh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, in its time, it was really derided as this like very uh, aberrant and uh, violent, disgusting movie. And uh, it is actually a really good movie. <laughs> this is amazing, like 80s movies of how how uptight people were right. with violence and stuff like that. Because you see a lot of the stories of the back... You know, like when it, like the cutting room floor, they had to cut so much out of it 
for it to not get an X rating. Right. Exactly. And it's like all the violence you see. It's like like violence is no big deal now, but yeah. you know, other things are. Yeah. Taboo. <laughs> right. Some of those things in 1980s movies, there's a lot of misogyny and things like that. True. You're just like, uh, you know, jarring to you in 80s movies with the violence. Whoa, you can't have that. Uh, Blumhouse working on a new Paranormal Activity movie. Film will be released in March of 2022. Uh, details are scant right now, but uh, writer Christopher Landon says that it will set a new course for the franchise. Uh, hopefully that means they're going to find a more plausible way of incorporating found footage or uh, <laughs> just maybe do away with that concept. Yeah. Um, could it be Paranormal Activity without found footage, though? I don't know. No. Uh, the last one of these uh, that I saw was that uh, 80s one with the very improbable VHS uh, security system in it. I, yeah, it like, I think uh, that was the third one. Third one. Where yeah, the, where the, the girls were younger. Yes, where the girls were younger. And somehow their father had a VHS security system that uh, kept all the tape. And <laughs> nobody had that. I no. mean, I don't know. Um, it was a little bit implausible, but... That'll be interesting. I love Paranormal Activity. I think it's a great movie. And I think I like the second one, too. If second I one wasn't bad. Second I mean, it's just it, it's like like every other sequel movie or franchise where it just kind of, you know, dulls down each and every time they come out. with Yeah, something. right. Right. So uh, and I guess it really went off the I haven't seen the final iterate. The last one that they had really sounded like it was uh, kind of out there, but I, don't know. Uh, I didn't see it. Mandy is getting a home video release on. Guess what? VHS. Really? Yes. The That's VHS perfect. release features a 4-3 crop, which I always found sad. That was one of the things I hated about VHS, was that uh, <laughs> I always looked for the letterbox. Uh, and limited edition variant cover artwork with a uh, special edition red VHS tape. Uh, the tape went on sale last week on Friday at WitterEntertainment.com. That's W-I-T-T-E-R Entertainment.com. So you still have to have a VCR to play this. Yeah, that's true. Very few people have that. But actually, if if you were going to release something on VHS, that would be it. That it is. I can see why they did it. It's certainly appropriate to the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, iHorror.com reports that the next Evil Dead movie will take the franchise out of the woods and into an urban setting. Uh, Bruce Campbell made an appearance at the Mahong Drive-In Theater in Pennsylvania and announced that the film, which we reported before will be entitled The Evil Dead Rise will have a new setting and that might be a high-rise office building. What uh, Bruce actually said was that the Evil Dead are going to F up a city this time. <laughs> he didn't say F, obviously. No, he said the real world. <laughs> word. Yeah, so that'll be a uh, little different uh, environment for deadites. <laughs> <laughs> I rise. I rise building. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, it's Evil Dead. I'm going I'm to check it out. I'm, I'm very interested. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Uh, that's it for horror movie news this week. And just uh, a last minute thing, and Andy's been reporting on this many, many, many times about the new cast for Scream 5. It is official. Okay. Nev Campbell will return as Sydney Prescott for Scream 5. So she officially signed on the dotted line. There was, you know, it was actually not a rumor that it was expected to happen, but they made it official this past week, too. So, yeah. We <laughs> Alrighty, uh, horror movie trivia. How many movies did director Wes Craven direct in the 1980s, including Shocker? He was a busy, busy boy in the 1980s. Wow, yeah, he was. I mean, there Nightmare. was Nightmare. There was, uh, I don't even know. Hills Have Eyes too. Yeah, the, uh, he did the um, People Under the Stairs, he right? That. And that was, I really enjoyed that movie, actually. Um, 
this one. Well, no, this was 19. No, yeah, this is 1989. 89. So this counts as, yeah. D- do tell how many? Eight. Eight movies. That's yeah. that's a busy guy. Yeah. Uh, as far as releases, I'm sure like there are ones that he filmed in late 80s that came out in the 90s. Because yeah, he, he was, and then he got into Scream. You know, the guy was right. like so busy between what, early 80s to like mid 90s that he, yeah. he was like working nonstop. Well, that kind of goes along with my trivia question here. Shocker costs around $4 million to make. What was his total box office return? I think I did see this. Yeah. Was it $16 million? It was $16 million. So this movie is widely regarded as a box office failure, but it returned four times what it cost. I wish my stocks did that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was more of his how busy he was and how horror movie tastes kind of shifted as we went into the 90s yeah. that this didn't become a franchise like uh, like nightmare which i think is what he was trying to do with this yeah and i I think because i you know according to the critics you know because it wasn't as big a success as nightmare because i did see that they were trying to franchise this i think they were yeah but you know wasn't the success that he saw with nightmare so you know Mm -hmm. just kind of felt felt this is a movie that could use a reboot I, I think that yeah, I definitely think this would not be a reboot. I would be upset about. I, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels good. Well, let's uh, let's get into the uh, chainsaw plot. Andy's chainsaw plot. You know what? I didn't write chainsaw plot this week. Um, a, a guy who uh, serial killer, <laughs> a serial killer who uh, repairs televisions, apparently has kind of a uh, a uh, resistance to electricity. Makes, makes a, a deal with the devil uh, <laughs> to become continues. an electrical uh, uh, murderer. Here we go. Hey, there's. <laughs> all right, here's your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Shocker from 1980. Oh, he's, he did the hand signal. Shocker from 1989, directed mm-hmm. by Wes Craven in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, find out what we have to say about it after you watch it. Initial thoughts of Shocker, Andy. So Shocker starts out kind of slow, and um, I, I remember I was. I haven't seen this film. The last time I watched it, it seems to be the theme of the day was on VHS. Uh, I'm sure that's the... And it was kind of a very popular movie in in the rental. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder how much it made after it went out of the box office, because I remember this being a very popular rental. It really had kind of an iconic cover. Yeah. I totally remember the cover of this movie. The guy with the orange jumpsuit, yep. just like in, in that menacing In, in the electric chair. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. He's got the shock or, or whatever, you know. Um and I remember I'm sitting through this movie watching the beginning of it and I was bored off. I was, just, I was like, why did I even choose to watch this movie? I remember this being better. But after like, it's kind of a police procedural movie in the beginning, a little bit. And yeah. it's not a very good one. No, <laughs> it's like an episode of Law and Order that you're watching that <laughs> like is not your favorite episode of Law and Order. It's like a throwaway episode. Um and uh, after about 40 minutes into this film, it goes off the edge, though, and it, it becomes really entertaining. And I think it's it's a, a pretty cool movie after that. So you get through the first 40 minutes. I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, Friday Night Lights or you know Law and Order or what, you know, in the first 40 minutes. It seems like kind of a confused, uh, like cramming together of several different types of TV shows, actually. 
And then after that 40 minutes, when he's doing the ritual in his jail cell with the TV station, with the TV where he, you know, gets the, the he has the uh, jumper cables or whatever and uh, become the shocker, <laughs> it goes off the rails and it's really a, a pretty fun ride. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, it's been a long time since I've seen this and, you know, watching it again, I, I never really had any nostalgia for this movie. No, you know, I, I didn't either. I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, it's definitely not like Freddy or Jason. Right. They, they never made that out of the, this guy, a pink pinker. What's his name? Pinkman. Yeah, Horace Pinker. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, he's not a he's not known like uh, Jason or Freddy or anything like that. But no. so I, I didn't really have any. Nost- I wasn't coming looking at this with nostalgia either. Yeah. And like I said, the first 40 minutes, I was like, boy, I'm going to give this a bad review. This is boring. And I'm the kill. The ki- the few kills they had in that first 40 minutes were uninspired. Yeah. Um, and it, it just wasn't all that uh, compelling in, in the first 40 minutes. But after that, it really did become kind of interesting yeah I I, I I agree with you like the first half was was yeah it was just your your vanilla kind of slasher flick not necessarily knowing where this is going um, but then it does pick up and it's got some really interesting like ideas which is yeah. why you know I said that that it could use a, a reboot you know, with the technology of today, keep that slasher feel to it, but just, you know, maybe bring in some of the technology that we have now, because that would make it really interesting. Yeah, I think looking at this with 21st century eyes, you're going to really think it's silly because of the effects. Oh, yeah. You know, like that that whole TV scene was pretty groundbreaking back then. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it was it had a lot more impact to the audience in 1989 than it did uh, than it does today. And it's really tough to look past that, too. But then it, you it also is, have right. an appreciation of like, OK, this is the only thing they had to work with. And this is the right. only technology that they had. Um, you know, for me, it was it, it really is a middle of the road kind of kind of movie. Right. It's kind of um, you'll you'll have fun with it, but it's not like. Wow, you know, I can't believe I I forgot about this one. No, I, I think it's a treasure for sure because sure it, it is because some of the ideas. But I mean, it's not like that big. Why did I not think about this one? I so. think this is one of these movies where the uh, <laughs> the soundtrack is a little more enduring than the <laughs> uh, than the actual movie. Um, it opens up the actual opening theme. It's called Shocker. Mm-hmm. It's done by a, a group called Dudes of Wrath. <laughs> uh, that's uh, Paul Stanley, Tommy Lee, Alice Cooper, Rudy Sarzo, and a couple other big 80s uh, metal names. It's a pretty good song for, you know, it's 80s metal. Right. <laughs> but it's a pretty good 80s metal song. Well, and, and it's like, you, and I was wondering if you were going to bring that up with the soundtrack. And like, for me, it didn't hit me. You know, there, there are other movies out there, like with a soundtrack. You know, for an example, um, Crow, which came out. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a, I like the Crow, but I love the soundtrack of the of Crow. Um, let's see, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Oh, that's a great soundtrack. Oh, Absolutely. and it yeah. was just like uh-huh. that hits me like right there. Sure. You know, but like something like this is like what they call butt rock or whatever. <laughs> you know, well, like it, when it was, you know, but if you're into that kind of thing. It's a pretty good soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it's got a good yeah. Megadeth uh, cover of uh, Alice Cooper's No More, uh, no More, no More Mr. Nice Guy, which is, a, that's a great scene, too, actually, where they use that song. Mm-hmm. But this opening theme, you know, the Dude's Wrath is really kind of uh, one of the bigger ones that came off this album. Mitch Pale- 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 is that how you say his name? 
Uh, the guy that plays Pinker? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's how you say it. Uh, you'd think I'd know it because I watched the X-Files, but uh, <laughs> he actually appeared on Headbangers Ball, uh, you know, MTV's old metal show? Yes. <laughs> In character as Pinker with Alice Cooper <laughs> and, and some of the other guys from this uh, Dudes of Wrath band. Uh-huh. You can see some of that on YouTube, and it's really dumb. Even, you know, I, I love metal, but they, they do a lot of dumb things in it a lot of times, and this is one, this is one of the stupider things I've ever seen. Uh, Back when Ricky Rath- Rackman had long hair. It, it was, but I think this is even before Ricky Rackman was on the show because, uh, like, Alice Cooper is hosting the show, and I don't oh, see Rackman yeah. on there. They had somebody else hosting it in the in the '80s, I remember, and then Rackman joined. I, th- I think Rackman was in the either the late '80s or the '90s, but. Uh, Alice Cooper is ostensibly the host of Headbangers Ball on this uh, episode. And then, uh, you know, uh, Pinker is, it's actually Pinker on the show because Mitch Pelegi plays him um, in character. And uh, they they do some really uh, pretty cheesy banter back and forth about (laughs) killing Uh, each other and stuff. I love the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, it was, even for 80s standards, pretty, pretty cheesy, so... Um, what I found interesting, Craven was able to keep the budget pretty low on this by doing a couple things, and one was hiring unknown actors. But you'll notice a lot of people who have become rather big names in it. Pelegi, of course, mm-hmm. you know he's, he became uh, Skinner on the, on the X Files, and you've seen him in, in other stuff. Yeah, um, Ted Raimi. <laughs> not that he's he a was big in name, everything. But, yeah, like, just Brett, as a background, right? He was the football manager, and not that he's a big name, but you'll recognize him. You know, right? Brent Spiner from Star Trek. You know, uh, Data Commander Data. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Richard Brooks from Law and Order is the uh, football player Rhino. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Peter Berg, who is the main character, is never a huge star, but you'll definitely recognize him. He's a big uh, director now. He, he's a producer, I believe. As he may have directed, too. He was in Copland. He was in uh, Smoke and Aces with J- Jeremy Piven. A um, bunch of TV series. So, uh, I mean, you recognize a lot of these actors that, that you see in this movie, and uh, they were they were really nothing back then. So. Yeah. Well, that's true. And then Heather uh, Langenkamp. Yeah, Heather Langenkamp does show up as a victim in this movie. Yeah, that's right. So, Wes Craven, that that was like, you know, before Rob Zombie had his like little clique of people, you know, she was she was all about Wes Craven. So we kicked this movie off a news report showing victim being pulled away from a stretcher or with the stretcher. Uh, serial killer has mur- murdered what, like thirty people? Yeah, I think his victim count is up to thirty at this point in the beginning of the movie. Um, you get introduced to Horace Pinker, who's a TV repairman. So a, a great ruse of being a serial killer. Um, I kind of like the intro. Like you said, the shocker song, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Um, they were showing bombs and like, like just like real life riot. Violent footage. footage yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, get introduced to Lieutenant Parker. Um, he ends up killing because, because, um, Parker and his wife, um, they adopt kids. They don't, right. they've never had any kids of their own. So, um, Pinker ends up killing the daughter, the youngest son, and the wife. And, like, Jonathan has like a dream. He says, I can smell the blood and I know what he looks like. Right. He has some sort of weird connection with Pinker. Jonathan is uh, Peter Berg, who's uh, who's the eldest son, eldest foster son. So and and this was just so much like Nightmare. 
I, I, it, the feel? It oh, yeah. like a scene right out of Nightmare. Like it could have been like if you, you remember last action hero, you want to talk about uh, movies with a soundtrack that's better than the movie. Right. Remember last action hero when uh, when he shows up to the video store and Sylvester Stallone is the Terminator. Mm-hmm. It was like being in an alternate universe like that where, yeah. where uh, Freddy Krueger was called Horace Pinker or something like that. And, um, you know, this is, a lot of it is very similar to Nightmare where you got these dreams and stuff. Craven was, uh, you know, apparently very disappointed by the direction that Freddy Krueger had been taken in uh, at this time. And that's kind of why he he sought to create a character he could keep more along his vision for what that movie uh, was supposed to be, what he what he uh, saw in that movie, what he wanted to do with that movie. Uh, and, you know, obviously this is supposed to be the beginning of a series like Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, y- you know... Um, I think, like I said, I think the reason that didn't happen was because of uh, the taste changed a lot in right around this time yeah. where you didn't have the movies like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, and people were kind of making fun of those at, the, at this point. They were being kind of mocked and, and horror changed. Uh, we had we had movies like, um, I don't know. Um, you know, Silence of the Lambs and things like that became uh, it was more like a thriller type uh, type movie that yeah, became more popular I, at that time. And I think they leaned into that a lot. Um, I I did like the fact of you got semi of a backstory as you progressed, uh, Pinker of mm-hmm. you know not necessarily who he was or or the rhyme to his reason, but you saw him in physical form performing, you know his his murderistic instincts. You know, before he actually made that deal with the devil to become, you know, some sort of energy source, um, you know, there there was this scene where um, Jonathan had another dream, and it was at this house specifically. I, I didn't like the cinematography of this because, like, he had a dream where it was nighttime, and I, I never liked this where. It's got some sort of filter over the camera. Right, it's blue. Where, right. where it's blue, but it's you know it's like noon. Mm-hmm. You can see clouds in the sky and stuff. Um, I, I noticed that too, and I don't like that either. And I guess it was okay because it was more of a dream sequence, and it seemed real, or that shot was supposed to be a dream sequence, so I guess that's why they did that. They also did something really dumb, and and you know I, I will fault Carpenter to this every single time, is when he filmed Halloween in 1978, you know, he brought in some dried up leaves and filmed it in downtown Los Angeles, although this is Haddonfield, Illinois. Right. And you see palm trees in the background. This happened in this movie, too. Oh, yeah, we're in Ohio. And hey, there's palm trees. I have never, I've been to Ohio a couple of times. I've never seen a palm tree in Ohio. Yeah, I don't think there's palm trees in Ohio. I've been all over Ohio, too. Uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, Learn your lessons, guys. Just you like know, continuity. Here we go. Right. Um, but I, I did like the fact that they kind of set him up as a real person, and then he, he made that transfer over when he got the death penalty. He ended up, um, you know, kidnapping another family. Uh, the cops found him. For some reason, Jonathan got to go with them. Yeah. Like, he got to go make the Yeah, he, got, he goes on, on the bust with him, exactly, because he... 
I, well, I guess he's the one who kind of brings it to his his dad's attention, and and, and you know, that's fine because, because they have this I, I, right. And we find out why he's got a connection to Pinker yeah, later. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, how do you like this uh, like police drawing of of Mitch Pileggi that they, they have? <laughs> it's almost as good as the uh, as the one from Breaking Bad. Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Heisenberg one. It's pretty great. Uh, that was pretty great, but. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, there's this whole trope of him getting hit on the head, too. Like, he gets hit on the head, and uh, it gives him, like, powers to, uh, you, you know, he that's a part of how he sees sees this, I guess, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that he has that dream or whatever, but then he gets hit in the head, and he's able to kind of interact with things. I don't know if they just didn't understand brain injuries back then or, or, or what, but uh, I think that idea originated in the Flintstones. Uh, and, and like 80s TV shows and stuff were really rife with that trope where you get hit on the head and you have like some kind of special power and then get hit back on the head and you, you go it. back. Yeah, you yeah. go back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> so, you get hit on the head, you have psychic abilities and then you don't after you, you know get kicked by a mule or whatever. R- right, exactly. So I, yeah, that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then um, Pinker ends up catching Jonathan, um, about ready to kill him. And then um, his his foster dad comes in and arrests him. And this is the quickest transition of being accused of, of serial murder to the death penalty because it's, it happens within a couple of like days, maybe. <laughs> it seemed like it. Like, yeah, like, it was like he had, a couple he had a days. trial. He had a conviction. He had. He was on, on death sentencing. Row, yep. And then electric chair within. No appeals. Just, yeah, exactly. That nothing. Uh, that was very quick. You're, and, you're right. And this is, you know, this is where the movie starts picking up. Absolutely. So th- this is the movie t- takes a turning point where. During his execution, I think. And the, like, shots of the electric chair here with no more Mr. Nice Guy playing mm-hmm. are, like, overly better than the rest of the, It's like <laughs> I'm watching a much better movie at this point. Right. You know, it, that, like, ushers in... I almost should want, thought I should see, like, some opening credits during this scene. Like, that, that was your like opening this is, sequence. Yes, yeah. like, this This is, uh, this is like, a different, a totally different movie. So Well, this movie was, like, almost two hours long, so you're right. Mm-hmm. I think they could have cut out a lot of the fluff at the beginning and, and showed a couple of those things just yeah. to establish characters. Um, but then, you know, you know, six months later, yeah. you know, he's, he's sitting on death row. Um, you know, he makes the pact with the devil, does that thing with the TV, bites the uh, cop's ear or lip, right. bites his lip. Bites his lip. Yeah. Finger and licking fingers. And the fingers, yeah. yeah. Which I guess is part of what they cut to avoid the X rating was the uh, finger biting. <laughs> I guess that was much more graphic in the, uh, in the original. Um, I liked how Jonathan wore a members-only jacket to the execution. That was very oh, 80s. Yes. Very that was pretty 80s. great. <laughs> yeah, this was filmed back in like '86, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Actually, I, I think it, it did. It, yeah, it, it was on the shelf for a few yeah, years. I think you're right. Oh, we did miss a, a really good kill scene, which was it was an upsetting scene. Is um, what was his girlfriend's name? Um, it was Allison. Yeah, that um, he got like. They found his shop. Um, he um, Pinkard ended up killing two cops. Like like he had it set up like a maze, almost like you'd see in Saw or something like that. Right. Uh, he ended up killing two cops, taking one of their uniforms, going out killing the other two cops. Gets away with his uh, with his TV van, and then um, goes to. Then he go to Jonathan's house. Yeah. And uh, the girlfriend Allison comes there. 
and he kills her. Right. And then writes, uh, happy birthday, Jonathan, uh, Horace Pinkard. Yeah, that, that was actually a pretty gory kill, like the blood on the, on the walls and yeah, stuff. It, it kind of happened off screen, but when you went right. back to the scene, it was just gory and It bloody. was a very, a very gory, like, crime scene, yeah. Yeah, they, he dumped her in a, in a bathtub full of water and mm-hmm. just let her bleed out. And it yep. was, yeah, that was pretty horrific. Right. And she comes back as some kind of, like, uh, avenging angel or something <laughs> here. Uh, I, see, and then this, these are, there's a couple things here. Like, um, so he starts jumping bodies, and that's how he murders the cops. Yeah. So, you know? and, and I didn't not, really get not, like if not the first cops. Like they okay. find his they find his hideout. They find his shop. Yeah. And then he kills two cops inside because uh, yeah, two cops inside. He takes one of the one of their uh, um, uniforms, kills the other two cops, gets away kills the girlfriend and then goes to the family's house because Jonathan has another dream uh, that's when you know he almost gets killed but they end up ca- capturing him he does his uh, ritual or whatever to the devil and then he transfers because the the doctor the female doctor grabs his arm right. and there's this big electric shock yeah and it, it wasn't that I didn't if I didn't know what he was doing I wouldn't have caught I wouldn't have understood that at all yeah like I knew that he that was one of his powers and, and I knew what he'd done, I think because I'd seen it before or I'd read about it, not because it was very clear in the movie right. what he was doing. And, um, oh, yeah, I, I should say the, the execution scene here is pretty good. I mean, it's it's not yeah, bad. It's not overly gory. I mean, he just no. gets some, some char yeah. marks on his head. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the it didn't have the impact that the uh, the fake execution and faces death had. On <laughs> me, but uh, I think it's a much more realistic depiction of an ex, uh, electric chair execution. Not that I've ever seen one, but uh, and I thought, you know, when his body burned up after he was found, after he that was so dumb, yeah, he, he didn't like that. I didn't like that because, scene. like, what had happened was, is the doctor touched him, and then his body disappeared somehow. Right. Um, the, so the doctor, the the his soul got transferred into the doctor, right? And he officially, I guess, kicked the bucket. But then Jonathan, for some reason, is able to go in there to find the body, and it just falls over, mm-hmm. and then it <laughs> it's spontaneously combusts yes and he disappears like right. like he the wicked witch of the west just melts out of his clothes i thought the burning was a pretty good effect like the immolation of his body i thought it was a decent effect for the 80s i know but like him melting out of his body or yeah. just completely disappearing into thin air i mean that uh, was i was like oh man okay yeah I, I it, there were that. better scenes in the, there the the effect though for the 80s is is, is all right i think um so yeah, and, and then he and he had jumped to this woman's body, and, and I think they could have like cut some of the beginning out of the movie mm-hmm. and explained this a little better because even when he was like jumping to the little girl and stuff, and I I knew what was going on there, but I, I just didn't. It wasn't explained very well. I don't. No, think. not really. Like how he was doing this, or not that I need to know a great explanation of how he's doing it, but the fact that he was actually this was him and he was doing it. Like I think it, was just kind of, um, I don't know, implied and not really well explained. Yeah, his know? yeah his soul could transfer from body to body electrically, and yeah. you know that effect was eighties effect. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he was the doctor, or his he was he had overtaken the doctor, kills one of the cops, like twists his head completely around, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And then there's an accident. There's a fire. You got um, ambulance there. Um, everybody died except this one yeah. cop that that was driving. Jumped out, right? Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that where he says, just feel like a little head sport, <laughs> which I think is a very Freddy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> kind of that witty one liner type thing. So, right. yeah, this is right. this has Wes Craven's handprints all over it. Oh, definitely. So jo- Jonathan is sleeping in, in, I think, the next scene and uh, he gets up and it's uh, it, it's revealed that he's sleeping on a water bed. Mm-hmm. You can see which is <laughs> so 80s. Uh, does anybody have those anymore? I don't those think are so. terrible to yeah, sleep on. I don't know why we ever had that. But um, and then his girlfriend shows up as this like spirit who is like, uh, you know, going to help him defeat Pinker. <laughs> and she gives him this this necklace. And uh, why does this thing stop Pinker? Who cares, I guess. <laughs> but but it's what stops Pinker. Yeah, know? it does. It's this has some power over him. Like their love has some power over him. It's really well, dumb. You also find out that Jonathan is the son of Pinkert. Um, yeah. And we didn't mention that Pinkert walks with a limp. Uh, it, and the reason yeah, why right. is because he shot that Jonathan as a child shot Pinkert in the leg to stop him from killing his mom. That's right. Uh-huh. And that's how. And, and why, and so when he transfers to like this little girl's body, why does he continue to have this limp? I'd like to know. That's just, <laughs> and that's the continuity of who Pinkert is. So, so you, I can identify of who Pinkert is. I, I guess so. Yeah. So it was that to me was a great scene though because the cop that survived got out of the hospital and chasing uh, Jonathan down and shooting at him. But this cop was so out of shape, like his heart, <laughs> like he had a heart attack. Well, exactly. And Jonathan is a college athlete. So I think Pink- Pinkertro is the wrong body there. Yeah. So this guy has a heart attack. But, you know, and again, it's like, OK, so you could only inhabit a living body, right? Mm hmm. If this guy had a heart attack, he's still able to move, but he can crawl, and that's all he could do. He just muster up enough energy to transfer bodies. Mm-hmm. This cop, or when he was the cop, he shot this this runner guy. Yeah, and why did he shoot that guy? Like you'd think you'd want bodies around, so you. Could, that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, this guy. like one. Why would you shoot this guy? Yeah, and this guy is actually coming here to help you. Right. He's like, "What's going on? Are you okay?" Yeah. And you know, Jonathan runs away. He's like, "Yeah, he's fine." So, but he shoots this guy, transfers himself into it, right. and then like a couple minutes later, he's laying on the f- ground, and there's this little girl riding a pink bike. <laughs> Right, which is one of the greatest scenes in the movie. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah. <laughs> Pinker jumps into her body, yeah, and then she drives a bulldozer, spits on the ground, and gets a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> and she uh, she uses some uh, profanity while she's in the uh, in the bulldozer, which is pretty great too. It's one of the, she says, uh, "Come on, you effer, move!" Uh, when she's trying to get the bulldozer to uh, go, which is is pretty great to hear from this like maybe nine year old girl. It's it's pretty funny scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, like, they're trying to find this necklace because the necklace, when he was in this chase, like, when he, he threw the necklace off of something mm-hmm. and it ended up in the middle of this lake, right? Oh, that's right. And then he went diving for it. Yeah, at night. Yeah. Which is like advanced. So I have a scuba diving certification. <laughs> night diving is like an advanced thing and they're just doing it. <laughs> and they find this thing. There's like, I don't see This is a mucky pond that they're, they're diving and they just, they just happen to find this necklace. Where <laughs> it was a little implausible, but. They find it. Doesn't uh, d- um, Pinkard like? Doesn't he take over the dad's body or the lieutenant's body for a little bit? Fights him off, and then he yeah. goes through a TV dish or something like that. Yeah, the, he climbs up a TV tower, right? Yeah, yeah, and then escapes, and then his friends like, you know, figure out 
that if they shut down this grid, they can shut down the power. Right. Um, there is a cool scene where um, the coach comes in, mm-hmm. like the coach breaks in. And this is where you see Allison Ghost or Angel yeah. or whatever. Right. And the co- like the football coach comes in and is getting ready to stab him, but fights off Pinkard and stabs himself. Yes. Right. Yeah, that was actually more graphic than uh, than I expected. I mean, it was a pretty pretty gory scene. So. Yeah, and then you see his body lift out, mm-hmm. and then he traps him in TV or something like that. We're yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry. That's not what my notes say. The uh, the hand stabbing by the coach was much more graphic in the X-rated version of this. That, that got tamped down, actually. Oh, did that got oh. that got edited down to. Uh, I, I'm trying to read my notes here and not not uh, thinking about them. Um, but yeah, I, I guess when he when he when he stabbed himself, that was far more graphic in the. Uh, that was one of the scenes they had to cut as well. So oh, getting yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, but you know what? I mean, so. Pinker, Horace Pinker, has some pretty cool powers. I think he's a pretty cool... This sets up a really cool uh, slasher uh, villain, you know? And I just I just don't think that um, this movie explored it all that well. I mean, he the, the hopping bodies thing is really cool, and, like, his electricity powers and all that, mm-hmm. pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, they, they figure out that... Um, and, 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 he, and he is also... Very Freddy like, like this recliner thing where Jonathan sits in his recliner and uh, Horace Pinker kind of inhabits it mm-hmm. and then like tries to strangle him as the recliner, which is well, it's got electricity, of, it's like his yeah. vibrating, the, yeah, the it's massage into, chair. Yeah, exactly. It's plugged into the wall, which is why Pinker is able to uh, possess it or whatever. It, it reminded me of Cherry from Pee Wee's Playhouse a little bit, but <laughs> like Cherry was attacking him. Remember, remember her? But uh, um, vivid, v- vaguely. <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely a memorable scene. So they, you know, they figure out that they can that he's he's jumping from in t in TVs then. Yeah. You know? And they figure out they can if they get him into a TV and are able to shut it off with the remote control. They can also control him with the remote control. Right. Right. Which I thought was also could have been a, a better concept than it, it really turned out to be. In it was movie. kind of a fun. I mean, yeah, right. Uh, they made a whole movie on it called Click with uh, with uh, Adam Sandler. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> right. Remember, stay yes, tuned yes, with right. John Ritter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're right. It's, that movie was awesome. So and 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 you have this scene which um, you know is kind of a. I think at the time was a probably one of the more expensive ones to film in this movie. It probably ate up a lot of the budget with, with the TV, the green screen uh, oh, yeah. thing here. It was not like the green screen was not a thing you could just do in, you know, in your uh, bedroom at this time. Right. Uh, so and, and I think that it does not look all that good today. But I think at the time, I think it was it was kind of a, a, a groundbreaking, maybe. And a little bit, uh, a little bit more exciting to that audience than it is to us. Uh, it was fun. I mean, it, it was okay. I mean, like for me, it just there was a, like this arc and not a good way, you know, not not of a character, but it was like it started off slow and then just kind of awesome build, and then mm-hmm. we get to this scene, and it's just like 
it took me out of the movie again. It's it's a little silly now. Yeah, definitely. And it was like, but okay. you know, like I think that like uh, the scene where he enters the Leave the Beaver episode, <laughs> you know, and he's he's like like I think that was pretty groundbreaking technology to make him black and white and blend him in with that old oh, yeah. image like that. Um, so I, I I think that this this scene is is lost on us today, but it was it was something a lot more special back in 1989. I mean, I guess I, I, I understand what you're saying that uh, being innovative for a movie. Yeah, but that, I mean, and that's, I guess, what it, it was innovative. It, it, even just putting everything aside with our, uh, you know, 21st century brains mm-hmm. that it, it was like unnecessary. I guess I, I agree, though. It, it took me out of the movie, too. It was silly. Yeah. It was and it's just kind of like, you know, you, you bring this, you know, you're bringing me up and you're bringing me up. And then you're like that. Okay, innovative, great, fantastic. You know, Craven, not all your movies are home runs, but (laughs) man, this is a, like to me, it was just like, eh. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So they do shut off the TV, and that's how they they break the TV. TV, Jonathan turns the clicker off, Mm -hmm. blows on it, looks up at the stars. You know, his girlfriend Allison said the stars are beautiful. He's like, they are beautiful, Allison. (laughs) End of the movie. End of the movie, yep. So I I really think that this is, uh, this would have been a better, if there had been more um, sequels to this. I think if you explain more of this story, if you were able to get the origins and stuff out of the way, and I think a sequel to this movie would have been a lot better movie than the original movie. I think uh, Shocker 2 would have been a a pretty great movie actually because you've established his powers which are pretty cool mm-hmm. and you know you've got probably better technology as the as the 90s wore on um and i i think this would have been a pretty cool slasher series if it had developed the way that craven uh had envisioned it and he hadn't been distracted well not distracted but rightfully uh making better films like scream do you think maybe he was so innovative and i, I mean this in all seriousness mm-hmm. he was so innovative that maybe he he was planning for that with you know the advance of technology and that that could have been too you know i i mean you know wasn't the mid 80s the transition from betamax to vhs you know well betamax to vhs no, no I, but the the late 90s were that was the transition from vhs to dvd yeah, betamax and vhs were you know that that got settled in the early 80s but uh um although you know tv stations still use betamax until recently for uh for you know news and stuff yeah but well, and it, i mean like i said it, it was like there was a lot of innovative things to this and the idea of it was fantastic you know being able to transfer like yeah that. i think he's got a lot of cool powers and i think this sets up a really cool slasher villain but the idea is not executed all that well in this particular movie and i think you know y- y- you get into this with like superhero movies too where you gotta tell the origin story or whatever and they, they think they have to tell the origin story that's why we have like uh i think there's like three iterations of the spider-man origin story in, in yeah. different movies you know because it was like well we're rebooting the series so we got to tell the origin again no you don't you know just well, it's like but it's exactly like like Friday the or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you, it is exactly like you know. You don't know. You don't that scene in the boiler room. It happens in what? It's not in the first movie. You know? No, they they mention it briefly. Yeah, and they exactly. they could have cut 
30 minutes off this movie and made it a really tight totally 120. Agree. I totally and agree. And give you just a, a, a quick background like they did a Freddy Krueger yeah. in Nightmare One. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so, <laughs> what do you think of this movie? Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go. <sighs> and I'll adjust well, my opinion accordingly. You know, I... <laughs> I'm really okay with it, right right down the middle of the road. Um, I, I'm going to just bump it up a little bit because it is a little innovative and yeah. you know for, for the 80s and the time that it was. I'm going to go 2.5. Okay, so, yeah. And so do you think it's good, bad, or classic? I think it's good. It's you not it's, bad. You think it's good. So I, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give it probably two stars. And, and I just think it is an unrealized... Um, you know, it, it never reached its potential. Mm-hmm. Is is what happened here? Like I'm like I'm saying. So, uh, I think this could have been developed into something cool. I think it's a great, great candidate for a reboot. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that. That'd be fantastic. Yep. Um, I'd love to see somebody else's ideas on this. And uh, you know, unfortunately, Wes Craven's not here with us anymore. No, to, give it to Jason Blum. He yeah, I, for I'd, a low I'd, I think a Blumhouse version of this would be pretty cool. Um, and since you're going to reboot everything anyway, uh, why not <laughs> this one? You know, I, this is a ripe candidate for that. I'd mm-hmm. love to see that. And I think it would be a better movie. Uh, you know, you, you can dispense with all this origin junk and just kind of make it a, say, oh, this guy's got these electric powers and this is how this happened. Start at the electric chair, start the movie at the electric chair and, and then move on from there, you know. How about a guy, and it just popped into my head, how about a guy that could make a clown a franchise named Art the Clown, give it to Damien Leone? Yeah, that, that'd be great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to uh, any. We've got so many talented directors that, you know, uh, we're, we're wasting on some of these other reboots that, that just don't need to be done. <laughs> That's um, true. And, and, and I'd, I'd love to see more of this story told, and I'd love to see this character um, kind of explored a little more. Um, yeah, and I, I guess they did him wrong because it is an intimidating character. Yeah. A, a very menacing kind of, you know, big guy that walks with a limp, but yet he's very uh, manipulative and, and mm-hmm. you know, just somebody that can get around and do these things. Right. Um, I agree. Um, so I, I'm going to give it two stars because I just think the execution was flawed. And I, I think it, it spent too much time trying to tell the origin story here where they should have focused on uh, what happened after his uh, execution. Yeah, I think Rob Zombie took his uh, <laughs> his origin story, like with his remake of Halloween. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Took his idea. Oh, yeah, let's just make the first half hour of the movie about this. All right. Right. Ugh. Anywho. All right. Well, hopefully next week we're uh, looking at a little more of a forgotten slasher treasure chest from 1980. We're doing Eyes of the Stranger from Eyes of a Stranger from 1981. Wrapping up the month with The Hitcher from 1985. I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Yeah, me too. And that C. Thomas Howell and mm-hmm. Rooker Hower. Yep, Rooker Hower. It's yep. been a long time, but yeah, I remember it being really good. Time. Then we're going to kick off our second annual Shocktober. October 2nd, we're going to review... Something I love. I mean, talk about nostalgia. Halloween 3 from 1982. We're going to have special guest Anya Gore from Horror and More with Anya Gore. And she's a model for Malevolent Productions. Right. right. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Horrorphoria podcast episode number 76. If you listen to us on iTunes, rate and review us. You can find us on any format. You get your podcast. Go uh, follow us, like us, whatever on social media. And uh, everybody have a great weekend.